Island Church in Galveston, Texas, welcomes you to our podcast. Be encouraged by Pastor Rusty Martin as he teaches the Word of God. This morning, we're studying the subject of faith. And this is, I don't know, you may think, well, Pastor, you know, I really need a healing or a breakthrough in my finances or something like that. But I want you to know, faith for spiritual things trains you to receive material things very easily. Amen. And a lot of people, whether they realize it or not, you've got to understand how much God wants you to have spiritually. And I think many times we think, well, there's not much relevance to that because, you know, we're living down here in a, in a physical body and a, in a, we've got a mind we've got to deal with. So what, what, what good is that? Well, I'm going to tell you, everything comes from the spirit realm. And everything, everything literally finds its place, its existence there, and then flows down into life. Both the, both the, both the light side of the spirit realm and the dark side. Seeing a lot of darkness right now. I said there's a lot of darkness right now. But the good news is we don't live by the darkness. We live by the light. Amen. Three portions of scripture I want to look, look at real quick. Acts chapter 2. Last week we looked at Acts chapter 1. Jesus said you shall receive power. If I say power. Now, you've got to understand, there is built into traditional Christianity a tremendous hypocrisy. And you say, what is that? Well, they talk about what God can do, could do, or should do, while denying the very power that does it. The Bible says it like this, they have a form of godliness but deny the what? The power thereof. Listen, we're power people. We want the power of God. I couldn't live for God without the power of God. And there's, there's some powers in the world that are, you know, I've experienced some of the, some, you know, the, out in the ocean out there. Man, I tell you, we've experienced some power out there that was awesome. Power in the animal kingdom, power here. Listen, but there is no power like God's power. I tell you, there's powers of, of sickness, disease, powers of addiction that are, seem so strong. But the power of God is greater. And one of the great things about believing God according to Scripture is this. It's not just a proclamation of a message. There's also a demonstration. A demonstration. Let's say it like this. God shows up in the realm in which we live to prove He is God. Has anybody ever experienced that? It's an awesome thing. It's an awesome thing. Acts chapter 2. Verse 1, when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all in one accord, one place. Suddenly there came a sound. What does sound do? Sound stimulates a sense in humanity called hearing. So they wouldn't have wrote this if somebody didn't hear something. We think there came a sound. Well, I ain't going to cut it, amen. There came a sound, amen. Came a sound from heaven so they located where it came from, as of a rushing mighty wind, and it did what? Filled the house where they were sitting. Now, how did they know it filled the house? Well, it was uh, the sound produced a presence. Have you ever had sound produce a presence? It actually absolutely does. Music many times can produce a presence. The sound produces a presence. What is a presence? A presence is something that is tangible. Amen. Rushing mighty wind, filled the house where they were sitting, and there appeared unto them. Now notice the word appeared. What is the word appeared? That is, again, the stimulation of a sense. If something appears to you, what do you do? You see it. 
I'm not over anybody's head in them. I can't be. I can't get that high. Amen. <laughs> you see it. I, I'm, I'm coming to a point here. Then there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire, and it sat upon them, and they all, and it sat upon them, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now go to Acts chapter 10. Acts chapter 10, the story of a man named Cornelius. The Bible says he was a devout man, one that feared God with all of his house, gave much alms to the people, prayed to God always. He saw in a vision, God instructed him to send for a man named Peter. While they were sending for Peter, Peter had a vision. Thank God for the revelation of that vision. What God hath cleansed, call thou not, call thou not common or unclean. Amen. But now as, it, as this thing concludes in verse 44, while Peter yet spake these words... The Holy Ghost fell on them which heard the word. And they of the circumcision which believed were astonished, as as many as came with Peter, because upon the Gentiles also was poured out the gift of the Holy Ghost, for they heard them speak with other tongues and magnify God. They heard them what? So two actual senses come into operation. Sight, they heard them speak, they could see them speak. We won't even get into the presence part, but we know the anointing of God was there. Amen. Acts chapter 19 says it came to pass that while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul, having passed through the upper coast, came to Ephesus. Everybody say Ephesus. And finding certain disciples, he said unto them, have you received the Holy Ghost? Now notice this, since you believed. They said unto him, we've not as much uh, as heard, whether they be any Holy Ghost, he said unto them, unto the what then were you baptized? They said unto John's baptism. Now notice what he says. Then Paul said, John verily baptized with the baptism of repentance. We don't practice John's baptism today. That was a, for a time. He was what Isaiah prophesied, the voice of one crying in the wilderness, make ye the way of the Lord, make his path straight. He was, he was in a a preparatory ministry, getting people ready for the ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ. You say, well, why do you even mention that? Because there's a lot of people today that believe unless you're water baptized, you're not saved. And then there's other people that are just got really in the ditch that they want to know how you've been water baptized. And if you hadn't been water baptized their way, people ask me, how were you baptized? I said, in water. Yeah. <laughs> Trying to make it simple for you, Amen. Now, notice this. John truly baptized with the baptism of repentance, saying unto the people that they should believe on him which should come after them, which is on Christ Jesus. When they heard this, now notice this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. So they got saved. They figured out John's baptism wasn't enough. They had to believe on him who came after John, the one that was going to baptize them into the body of Christ. And right here is where they got saved. You say, well, how do you know they didn't get water baptized right here? What good would it have done if they weren't saved? Water baptism is the outward showing of the inward grace. So you hadn't received the grace yet. After you receive the grace, then you get water baptized. So you got to get saved first. Amen. So they got born again. It says, and, uh, it says, and when Paul laid his hands upon them, the Holy Ghost came upon them, and they spoke with other tongues and prophesied. Now, back to Acts chapter 2, real quick, just for a moment. I wanted to read those three witnesses. So in the book of Acts, we have three Distinct witnesses of the outpouring of the Holy Ghost, 
Well, I like to say it like this. The Pentecost for the Jews, Acts chapter 2. The Pentecost for the Gentiles, amen. And that's in Acts chapter 10. Then there was a Pentecost in Ephesus in which the Word of God was preached throughout all Asia. Thank God for moves of God that touch entire regions of the earth. Amen. But now, Paul, excuse me, Peter is preaching this incredible message after the outpouring of the Holy Ghost in Acts chapter 2. Notice what it says in, in chapter 2. Let me find it here. Verse, uh, and just pick it up with verse, uh, verse 30. Therefore, being a prophet, speaking of David, the patriarch David, and knowing that God had sworn an oath to him that the fruit of his loins, talking about Jesus, according to the flesh, he would raise up Christ to sit on the throne. He's seen this before, spake of the resurrection of Christ, that his soul was not left in hell. There's your redemptive proof of where he went. Neither his flesh would see corruption. This Jesus hath God raised up, Wherefore, we are all witnesses, therefore being, the right, being by the right hand of God, exalted, and having received of the Father the promise of the Holy Ghost, He, everybody say He, Jesus hath shed forth this, which you now, which you now see and hear. Everybody say, see and hear. Which are two what? Senses. Now, I got all my scriptures so we can get into it. Before this happened, Jesus appeared to 500 people at one time. Now, he appeared to more, more than that after he rose from the dead. He rose from the dead. I said he rose from the dead. The only person to ever literally overcome death, hell, and the grave. Anyone else that rose from the dead rose by the power of God that raised them up. But Jesus rose from the dead by overcoming death. Whoo, glory to God. You ought to get excited about that. Now, here he is. He's been resurrected for some 50-something days, depending on who you re read after. And he's got, he's got holes in his hand. You can see the light through. He's got holes in his feet. He's got scars in his head, scars on his back, a big old gaping uh, 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 wound in his side that's healed up and scarred over. And he's standing there. And as he's talking to them and he's telling them, now you go to Jerusalem, you're going to be endued with power. He begins to what? He begins to rise and he goes to heaven in the clouds. Now can you imagine standing there, especially if you're one of the, one of the disciples and you'd been with Jesus three and a half years, so it's kind of like, you know, this is, this is God. He's risen from the dead. I mean, they got the revelation there in Matthew 16. Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. He is Emmanuel. What does Emmanuel mean? God with us. So here goes God. Here he goes. Here he goes. And then the angels, after he's out of sight, the angel says, well, what are you staring at the sky for? He's going to come back again the same way. And so they're kind of like, God is gone. He's gone. God is gone. But I guess we need to go back. You know, they rented that room for Passover 50-something days ago. I guess we'll go back to that upper room, and we'll get in that upper room, do what he said. So let's go in there, and, and I guess we'll have a business meeting. We'll, we'll elect another apostle, and then we'll pray, like he said to do. And then while they were praying one day, what happened? What happened? God came back. Let me try that again. God came back. When he went up, it was because he came. He was only here 33 and a half years. He came. He's the Jesus in the manger, the baby Jesus. He grows up. We find, a, find out, begin to get information on him when he's 30 years old. He's baptized of John in the Jordan. He's anointed by the Holy Ghost. He goes around doing signs and wonders. God was with him. He was the goodness of God in manifestation. Then he died on the cross. He rose from the dead. He redeemed us from death, hell, and the grave. And then he left. But then he came back. 
But he came back to stay. Now, see, that's our problem. <laughs> if you really believed that God was here, I mean, really believed it, what would it do to you? How would you think? How would you operate? How would you act? See, we have to understand as we live on this earth, everything about the earth that is fallen goes against the knowledge of God. Thank God we have the Word of God, which is the knowledge of God. And then the Holy Ghost comes and takes the Word of God and causes us to be able to rightly divide it so that the wisdom of God can mix with the knowledge of God and we can learn how to live spiritually instead of naturally. Because everything in the natural realm is against you. Time. Even if you were born yesterday, the clock starts ticking down. Uh, aging, you talk, think about uh, sickness and disease, poverty and lack. You think about everything on this earth, everything in this earth that is of the fall, that is mankind's, uh, how can I say, reaction to it, his attempt to try to govern himself, his attempt to try to heal himself, his attempt to try to counsel himself out of all of the, the, the situations of life that, that are so daunting and many times just capture us. Jesus came to set us free. And as long as Jesus was here, oh wow, we're going to walk with him, we're going to talk with him. We're going to observe the signs, wonders, and miracles. We're going to eat the fish and the bread. We're going to be so excited. But now he's gone. But now he's gone. But then God comes back. And how does he come back? The same way he came when he came as Jesus, he came tangibly. If you were a wise man, you could see the baby Jesus. You could hear the baby Jesus cry. If you were there during the three and a half years of his ministry, you could see when he preached. You could hear when he preached. You could see the blind healed. You could see the lame healed. You could see the miracles that he did. There would be an automatic response from your senses telling you God is here. God is here. So Jesus plainly showed the disciples, it's, I have to go. I have to leave. Because if I don't leave, I can't come back. Now there's a twofold meaning to that because we also know about second coming. But I'm talking about I can't come back as the person of the Holy Ghost. Another distinctive reality of God. Listen, when he was with them, he was Emmanuel, God with us, but he walked on the outside. His feet hit the physical dirt of the, of the, of the roads. He breathed the air of the earth. He literally was God manifested in the flesh, but now God has come back to live the same place or to live in the same place he lived before he came in the person of Jesus. He lived in a temple in Israel. But his access was limited. The prophet, priest, and king, only by the bleeding sacrifice. Sure, there were people that understood other things. David understood, David understood that, that there was mercy in God. David understood that he could approach God based upon his own humility. But literally, you could not approach God without all of the Levitical law being in its perfect place. That's why when they sent that high priest in there every year, once a year, with the blood of bulls and goats to atone for the sins of the people, they put a rope around his waist. He had bells sewn on the fringes of his robe and on the, on the uh, uh, hem of his garment, and he went in there ringing the bells because they knew if the bells quit ringing, he put the blood in the wrong place, he didn't wear his T-shirt the right way, he did something outside the law, and when the law and fallen humanity came together, something was going to give, it was not the law, and what happened is they died. An awesome spirit in the Holy of Holies. 
very few had access to. But now Jesus came and he shed his blood, not by the blood of bulls and goats, but by his own blood, he entered once into the true holy place, not the one that was made with the hands of men, but the one that was made by the word of God. And he cleansed the temple, and when he cleansed the temple, he cleansed the heart of every whosoever that would one day call upon the name of the Lord so that that same awesome spirit that was upon the Lord Jesus Christ and was in the holy of holies of the nation of Israel would come down and find its place in the true temple, you. Know ye not, know ye not, you are the temple of the Holy Ghost. So he comes in, he abides, you're born again, the spirit of God is living on the inside of you. But that was not enough for God. So when Jesus finally ended up his redemptive work in that day and he sat down at the right hand of the Father, what did he do? He received of the Father the third person of the Godhead, the Holy Spirit or the Holy Ghost. And what did he do? Did he just hang on to it? So I'm just going to hang on to the Holy Ghost. I'm not going to. No, he poured it out on the day of Pentecost. And what did it do? It tangibly fell upon the church. They experienced the presence of God. His presence filled the house. They experienced seeing the cloven tongues of fire that sat upon each head. And then each and every one of them heard as they were all filled with the Holy Ghost, as they all spoke with other tongues. As they did that, then they saw and heard each other speaking in that heavenly language. That's repeated again in Acts chapter 10. That's repeated again in Acts chapter 19. And it's greatly inferred in Acts chapter 8 and Acts chapter 9. Acts, cha uh, 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 Acts chapter 8, Philip went down to Samaria, preached Christ unto them. He did signs, wonders, and miracles. They were baptized into the body of Christ and they were baptized in water. But the Bible says when Jerusalem had heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent Peter and John who went down. And when they laid their hands upon them, they received the Holy Ghost. But when Simon, who was a soft and someone mixed up in the occult that had gotten saved because of the miracles, when he saw that by the laying on of hands the Holy Ghost was given, he offered them money that he also might receive that gift. They said, your money perish with you. Amen. Well, what did Simon see? Simon saw all of those people who were having hands laid upon them speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now, let's fast forward into 2001. There's been some powerful moves of God on the earth. I don't know how much your experience has been in. When we were kids, young, uh, just children, uh, our mom and dad, they, they kind of brought our family into the move of God in the early 60s. And we kind of experienced what I would call the forerunner of the charismatic move. Our church was not a traditional assembly of God church. Our pastors were uh, very dynamic in the spirit realm. They understood some precepts of the gifts of the spirit and faith. And we experienced some real tangible things. Presence of God, outpourings of the Holy Ghost, things that we saw, heard, and experienced. Amen. Then you had the mighty charismatic move that began. Charismatic move unique in that what it was was the hunger of the denominational world that had nothing other than a proclamation. And they tried to use the proclamation to, to how can I say this, to promote their brand of psychology. 
They tried to bring spiritual words into the soulish realm to try to treat the ills of people by trying to make the, the gospel a social, social message, rejecting anything and everything that was tangible and powerful that had to do with God. Most Pentecostal people were considered either ignorant or on the other side of the tracks or they got caught up in some kind of a sensationalism. But that hunger grew and grew. It grew in the Baptist denomination, the Methodist, the Catholic. Lee and I were in a, a convention at the Superdome in, uh, in uh, uh, New Orleans, Louisiana back in the very early 90s. 10,000 Catholic nuns and priests. I'm telling you, full of the Holy Ghost, speaking in other tongues, dancing all over that place. I mean, the presence of God was so powerful, so tangible. And the reason for that is, is because every person ever born on the planet has something that yearns in them for something that they don't even know, they don't even know what it is. So people go on a quest. Is it, is it the right husband? Is it the right wife? Is it, is it wonderful children? Is it, a, is it a good education? It might be this car. It might be this house. It might be this money. It might be this drug. It might be this. It might be that. And so they chase all over the world chasing something that only God can fill. And that hunger is what God responds to. During the charismatic movement, there were such great outpourings of the Holy Ghost, and much of it happened not inside churches, but happened out in the ballrooms and the, the ballrooms of hotels and places like that where people would gather together and in mass. I, I talked to my do, mom and dad one time, and they were in a meeting with a man named uh, Morris Sorello, and they, they, they themselves, uh, my mom and dad both said, they must have laid hands on four or 500 people that night, and all of them got filled with the Holy Ghost, speaking in other tongues. You say, why? You can be religious, but there is a hypocrisy to religion that says this. God can do anything, but he ain't going to do nothing for you. And they deny his presence, and they deny his power, and they deny his reality and his anointing. Now, in being in moves of God since 1984, one in particular that I was so blessed to be a part of was a great outpouring of the Holy Ghost in the nation of Ireland, the Republic of Ireland. And this was during a time in which Ireland was very troubled as a nation. The whole island was in turmoil. The IRA was very active. A lot was going on. But we went there and we found a tiny remnant of people in which a small charismatic move had touched and they had received some little touch of the Spirit of God. And they were so, so hungry. Second or third trip I made, I, I landed, and literally at 9 o'clock in the morning, there was a lady there that wrote uh, a Christian uh, children's books, Christian children's books, and she had been touched by the power of God in the early 80s, and, and they just said, well, this, this preacher's coming in from the States if you'd like to have a meeting. She said, when is he getting here? This was in Limerick, Ireland. When is he getting here? Well, his plane arrives at 8 o'clock. We'll be coming out of customs about 9. He said, well, I'm going to schedule a meeting at 9 o'clock. We went straight from the airport to their house, and there was probably 300 people sitting in her house all around the outside, had all the windows open, all these people so hungry for God. Well, I, I wasn't no fool. I went and taught on the baptism and the Holy Ghost, prayed one prayer and all of God filled with the Holy Ghost at one time. Just the, just the power. And, the, and you talk about happy. Oh, my God. They Listen, it was like somebody that hadn't had a drink of water in two days. They just, they just drank it and drank it and drank it. And we left there and drove about two hours to another meeting at about 1230 and did the same thing and to, to, then went to another meeting that night. And the same thing happened again over and over and over and over again. People who had never what? They'd heard of God, but they had never experienced God. So then we identify one of the greatest problems of island church. Say, what is that? We're spoiled. 
and we take it for granted. We're spoiled and we take it for granted. Not realizing what is going on here many times, which is so tangible to others. We do our fall harvest conference and everybody comes in and says, oh, the presence of God, oh, the power of God. And they just talk about it and we're like, huh? It's something that we must realize that God has blessed us with. But this is literally the battering ram of the door of utterance for our area. Amen. What did, listen, what did the apostle Paul ask the church at Ephesus to do in the book of Ephesians, the letter he wrote to them? He said, pray that with all boldness I may speak your word. And that God would what? Open an effectual door of others. What had happened in Ephesus? Ephesus, he found those 12 guys. Ephesus, they had been baptized in John's, uh, uh, because of John's repentance move. He got them saved. He laid hands upon those 12. They received the Holy Ghost. They prophesied. He started a Bible school. A revival broke out. The word went through all of Asia and special miracles were wrought by the hands of Paul so that from his body they would literally hang handkerchiefs and take those handkerchiefs and lay them on people. They'd be healed and the devils would be cast out. Paul figured out, hey man, all I need to do is to get the Holy Ghost to moving, to get the Spirit of God to start moving. To get the Spirit of God. He, he got washed up on the shore at that, there in those last two chapters of the book of Acts. And he's out there, he's out there uh, building a fire. And as he builds a fire, he went down, picks up some wood, and a snake, a viper, hooks onto his hand. I used to preach the message when I, when I used to uh, travel called, you can, snake, you can shake the snake into the fire you build. <laughs> Amen. You say, what do you mean by that? A lot of people, the snake grabs them, they ain't got no fire. But if you got a fire, the snake's going to let go. Well, I'm not going to preach that message. But anyway, <laughs> from that incident, they saw that he was not a condemned criminal, but an anointed man of God. They saw that. So what happened next? He goes to the guy who is the leader of the whole island who is dying of tuberculosis. Lays his hands on him. He gets healed. Just like that. What does that do? That starts a revival. Listen, they're taking him to Rome to go to a trial and he's starting revivals all the way down the road. Remember this. If all we have is a doctrine, we're no different than the Muslims, we're no different than the Buddhists, we're no different than anybody else. But faith for the Holy Ghost is something you need in your life, not when you gather together here at Island Church, but you need it outside the four walls of the church. God wants you as you walk the streets, as you drive the highways, everywhere you go, at your job, when you go out and fish, when you go out and serve, no matter what you do, God wants there to be a tangible reality. This person is a little different than everybody else. What's going on here? Amen? What does that, how does that work? How do you do that, Pastor? Well, first you get saved. Then you get filled with the Holy Ghost. And you get filled with the Holy Ghost, as the Bible says, with what? The evidence of speaking in other tongues. <laughs> I was going to a ranch with the ranch owner. Oh, this is 20 years ago. We're driving up to this. They just bought this new ranch, so we're driving up there. And I've been witnessing to him. And, the, and the, he was a young man at the time. He was born again. So we've got to talk about the Holy Ghost. He didn't believe it. And I'm telling him, you know, 
you know, you say you're born again, you, you've got to have some desire and some hunger. He says, I, I wouldn't believe the Holy Ghost unless I, unless I heard someone speak in other tongues. Well, that was easy. I just said, He goes, that's awesome. <laughs> the whole world, look. The whole world is not looking for what you have because they don't know what you have. But the whole world wants what you have and they will get what, what you have when they, when they see it in you. They don't want to see Christianity, so to speak, or religion, so to speak, or pious living, so to speak. I'll tell you, I saw a great manifestation of the Holy Ghost in a bar. In a bar on an island, on a smuggler's island off the coast of Belize. I walk into this bar. This, this banker, he's got some crazy guy. And then guy's all wiped out on, on rum, Puerto Rican rum and cocaine. I mean, he's just gone, you know. And I'm trying to witness to this guy, and he's this this banker, he's just, a, you know, he's a man of God. He's got compassion for his friend. So I'm doing everything I can do to witness to this guy. I take authority over the devil. I cast the devil out, and the guy just is like, give me $20, you know, and I'm like, Shit. so... I, I got up, I was frustrated, and I'm walking out. And as I'm walking out, there's a little, a little doorway, and there's a what lady in there, and she's, she's weeping. And the Spirit of God had touched her. Tangible, God is here. God is here not because we say He's here. God's here because I either see it, or I feel it, or I know it. It's because God can give you a knowing that's stronger than your feeling. Amen. And so I turned, I said, are you okay? And she said, I'm backslidden. I was raised in a good Pentecostal church. My parents are Christians, and I, I, I got away from God years ago, and I've been hiding down here. But I heard what you said to that man, and now I know God forgives me. So I just prayed with her. She got right with God. And that night, she invited the entire staff of that hotel to our meeting, and they all got saved and filled with the Holy Ghost. You know why? Because something showed up in that bar. Something showed up in that bar. Listen. The Holy Ghost is not near as fragile as you think. He, listen, He wants to so move in your life. And thank God we can sense the anointing when we worship God, when we praise God. But that's the reason you need to be what? You need to be filled with the Holy Ghost, with the evidence of speaking in other tongues. Then you need to be practicing that every day. You need to be praying in the Spirit. That, that, one of the things about our prayer meetings that we have, you can't pray like we pray unless there's an unction or an anointing there. And everyone that comes and prays with us testifies to the reality. There is, it may take you five minutes, it may take you ten minutes, but if you'll keep praying, You'll step into something tangible down in your spirit that you know this is God moving in this prayer meeting trying to bring us into something that's going to affect people for Jesus Christ. God has always been, oh, this is so good. He's always been a great demonstrator. Let me say it like this. You know what he's been? He's a show-off. People don't like that. That's not good religion. God is holy. and God is who, you know. They try to paint this spooky picture of this kind of old man with a big beard that if you get out of line in any way, I'm going to stop. God's not like that. God's out there. He's having a good time. He's creating universes. He's, listen, he's light and he's life and he gives us all the good things of life. Amen. Alan and I, years ago, we had done some ministry in Hawaii 
on Oahu where God had sent us for many years to minister. And then we took some days and we went to Kauai and we were looking for a place to surf. And so we just drove till we saw cars. And we thought, well, there's cars with empty surf racks. That's a pretty good sign. So we followed this jungle trail and boom, it popped out to this beautiful scene, this beautiful wave that was breaking. And, I, and it was early in the morning and it was just beautiful. And, and he and I were paddling. And I thought to myself, God made this. God made this. God, he made the oceans. He made the waves. He makes weather. He makes the mountains. He makes the stars in the sky. Remember the time we were riding in a, we were riding in a, in a horse-drawn carriage across this snowy field going to, a, going to a, 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 a Hemingway's house. Yeah, Ernest Hemingway's uh, 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 hunting camp in Idaho. And the, I had never, I grew up on the Gulf Coast. We don't have stars like that here. And we were up in the mountains. And I'm like, oh, my God. So this is what you did. Well, that same God who was a what? A show-off who wants to what? Show-off wants to show you off. He doesn't want to show off for your benefit. He wants you to be how he shows off. Everywhere you go, everything you do, when you say, when you speak words, you speak words of light and life. When you get into a conversation with people at your office, they love for you to speak because when you speak, you're speaking faith. You're speaking life. You're, anybody get up and say, well, the economy, well, the Democrats, well, the Republicans, well, Trump, well, Biden, well, COVID, well, oh, come on. Don't you get tired of those words. They're wearing out the world. And what's it doing? It's creating a hunger. People are saying, I got to have something. I got to have something more than the NBC Nightly News. I got to have something here that's going to put some life in me, something that's going to put a light in me. And, there, and then because there's this side of the hunger being developed, then there's the other side, which is us, and which God's wanting to develop such a strength and a power and a tangibility in us that when the two come together, they know that's what I want. Most of them have heard the gospel. They've heard God loves you, Jesus loves you. And then there's been all of this hypocrisy and, and, and all of this, uh, what would you call it, resistance and all of this, you know, eh, people don't want to. Well, look, we're just all human flesh and none of us are perfect. But I'm telling you, when the Holy Ghost gets to moving, how's, oh, let me close with this. This will help you. So how does God kick this thing off? Book of Acts is, is unique. It's the end of a dispensation, beginning of another. It's, now, don't, don't get in the ditch with this, but this will help you. This is our Genesis. Genesis is the Genesis of the Bible, but Acts is the Genesis of the church. It's the book of beginnings. And isn't it interesting that God named it Acts? So how, if, if you're God, you're God, so you're going to start a new dispensation. So what we do, we get all these stiff people in long robes and we march them down the street going, God is here. Is that what you do? <laughs> and you make sure they're the most educated that's been in the theological schools and they have all the degrees and they know everything about religion and they're marching around saying, God is here. And nobody can see nothing. Nobody can hear nothing. Nobody can feel nothing. There's no tangibility whatsoever. It's just God is here because we're saying he is. But he didn't do that. He got a group of people in the upper room. I could imagine how varied that you had commercial fishermen, 
ex-prostitutes, ex-commercial fishermen, tax collectors. Look like a beer joint crowd. <laughs> and so they're up in the upper room, and all of a sudden, you know, it sounds like a 747 lands in downtown Jerusalem. That's what drew the, 3, 000, the, the crowd in which 3,000 got saved was the sound when it came. Amen. And so God says, now how am I going to expose them to this? Here's what I'll do. I'll make them all speak in languages they don't even know. And I'll get them so drunk they'll look like drunk people. You know why he did it like that? Because you can't take credit for that. We've been working on this for months. Oh, really? <laughs> We've been practicing this for years. No, you haven't. So they spill out in the street. And these people go, they're drunk. Read your Bible. They're all drunk. And thank God someone sobered up. It was Peter. And said, well, we're not drunk as you think you are, seeing this is the ninth hour of the day when people don't drink. But this is that. This is that. He says, this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. That on the last days, the last days, the last days, the last, go read it in Joel, the last days, which they counted the last days, because when Jesus said, I'm coming back, they thought, a couple of days. That's what they thought. Paul had to actually correct the church at Galatia, because they said, well, he's already come back. We've already had the tribulation. Well, we know that because nobody was walking around in glorified bodies. Amen. But Peter said, this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel that in the last days, I'm going to do what? I'm going to pour out of my spirit upon all flesh. Well, if he was in the last days, where are we now? We're in the last ticks of the clock. And it's the same word that is relevant to us today as it was to them back there. And Jesus wants everyone to know I am risen from the dead. I've overcome death hell and the grave, and I'm not just hanging out in heaven with the Father, and I'm not interacting with anybody on earth. You can have your churches, you can have religion, you can have Christianity, but all I have given is a message that kind of appeals to a soulish spiritual psychology that if you listen to it, we may can talk you out of drug addiction. Come on! I was preaching in, in uh, Galway, Ireland. And a guy was coming, it was nightly meeting, a guy was coming, and I said something, oh, shouldn't have said it. I said something about Alcoholics Anonymous and 12-step program. Shouldn't have said it. Because, brother, he came up there, an Irishman. I'm telling you, I go to Alcoholics Anonymous. I've been part a 12-step program for 10 years. I was like, oh, my God. Well, he came back the next night, and the Holy Ghost started moving. And he didn't take 12. He took one. And he stepped up. He got born again. We laid our hands on him. He got filled with the Holy Ghost. And he came to me. That was a, that was a, a, a Tuesday night. We went through Thursday. He came to me on Thursday night. He said, I see what you mean. <laughs> well, what happened? I didn't talk him out of his alcoholism. What happened? 
he experienced God. What is going to happen? In the world, we're experiencing so much right now. There's so much that we are experiencing. But God is not going to be outdone by the devil or the devil's crowd. He is preparing us for what? What we've been praying for since last July. The outpouring, the tangibility, the signs, the wonders, the miracles. I think that's why God let us travel for all those years before we started the church, to experience it on such a level that we had to go someplace, settle down in that place, and bring it to that place instead of us going every place so that we could maximize the effect of what God's called us to do. So we're going to keep praying. We'll be there tonight, 7.30. We're going to, and what are we going to do? We're going to be praying in the Holy Ghost. And there'll be a tangibility. There'll be a presence. And then Tuesday night we're going to do it. And then Wednesday night we're going to do it. And then we're going to do it on Saturday night. And then next Sunday we're going to keep doing it and keep doing it. And he said, well, what if God starts moving in an incredible way? We're going to keep doing it and do it even more and do it even more and more and more as we come under the influence of that which anybody can what? Feel, see, hear, and experience. Because that proves God is real. Yes, He's a good God, but He is a real God. And He's not just with us, He's in us and upon us. Amen? Amen. Glory to God. Give the Lord a shout this morning. Hallelujah. If you weren't so sleepy looking, I'd keep preaching. <laughs> just kidding. Lift your hands. Father, we worship you this morning. We love you and glorify your name. Thank you for your wonderful presence, your power. It's all you, Lord. It's all you. Not by works of righteousness, which we've done, but according to your great mercy, you've saved us, washed us, regenerated us with the power of the Holy Ghost. We thank you for it, Father. Now, Lord God, if there be anybody here today that does not know you, that does not know you, Jesus, does not know the freshness of your spirit when a man or a woman is born again. Or if there's someone here that may know you, but they, that fellowship has been so strained and broken. They just need to get right with God. Move upon their hearts. Gently let them know how much you love them, how much you accept them, how much you care for them. So with every head bowed, every eye closed, nobody looking around. And we're going to do this. We're not going to ask anybody to come up or anything like that. We're just going to pray with everybody if anyone responds. But if you're here today, say, Pastor, I'm not right with God. I need to be right with God. Please pray with me. Anybody like that, lift your hand. We see one hand. God bless you. Anyone else? Another one? See another hand. God, you can put them down once you've raised them so we can see. Anyone else? Quickly. Anyone else? Another one over here. God bless you. Hallelujah. Thank you. Now, one more time. I'm going to look one more time. If you've not raised your hand, you say, I need, Pastor, I do. I need to be right with God. Like I say, we're not going to call you up, make a spectacle or anything. We're just going to pray together as a church, as a congregation. Praise God. Good. Now, everybody stand. Now, here's what we're going to do. We're going to pray a prayer. I'm going to lead you in it. I want you to pray it out loud. The whole church is going to help you do it. The whole church is pulling with you. And after you pray that prayer, I want you to settle this in your heart. I'm right with God, and I'm going to stay right with God. This is no time to be strained from the things of God. This is a time to be getting as close to God as you possibly can. So everybody in the church is going to pray, but I want you to pray if you lifted your hand. And even if you didn't lift your hand and you want to pray this prayer, get right with God, or get, you pray this prayer. But pray it out loud so your own ears, loud enough for your own ears to hear it, 
so that when you pray it, it's settled and you know you've done something by faith to receive God's great forgiveness and His mercy. Ready, church? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank You for Jesus. Thank You, Father. He was born of a virgin. He did live a sinless life. He died on the cross. He rose from the dead. He did it all for me. I believe that. I receive that. I confess it and I accept it. Heavenly Father, areas of my life where I seem to be so weak, where I need strength, spiritual power, I thank you, Father, in those areas you forgive me, that your blood cleanses me right now from all sin and all unrighteousness. As I stand in this church on a Sunday morning in March 2021, I'm right with God. My sins are forgiven. I'm strengthened by His Word. I'm anointed by His power. I'll never be the same in Jesus' name. Now give God a shout. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Now, let me, three quick things we always tell people. I know we had, I don't know, three or four, two or three, raise their hand. Number one, read your Bible. Say, I don't understand all them these and thous. Man, there's so many Bibles out there. I've got, I've got the hippie Bible. It's called Letters, Letters to Street People. And the author is two brothers from Berkeley. And it's pretty cool. So there's all kinds of great translations and prayer. The Bible is God speaking to you. Make it personal. Everything you see in the Bible is God speaking to you personally. Secondly, talk to God. The spiritual name, religious name, prayer. But if you will learn to dialogue with God, that means He speaks, you speak, He listens. Did you know faith in God that He hears your prayer will empower you to have faith when He speaks to you that He is speaking to you? Talk to God. I heard a guy say in a prayer, talk to God like He's real. Well, He is real. Amen. Then you need a family. It's not the Martin family. It's not the Jones. It's not the Martinez's. It's a spiritual family. It's called the church. In a church, there's support. In the church, there's strength. In the church, there's unity. And in the church, there's corporate vision that brings you along into the blessings of God. So we trust that you'll hear this, respond to it, and that God will bless your life. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for today. This is our tradition. We claim that which belongs to us, the protection and safety of God in our lives, declaring no evil befalls us, no plague comes nigh our dwelling place, that the angels of God have charge over us. Therefore, we declare in all of our travels, the highways, airways, seaways, railways, any other way of travel or transportation, we declare our protection. Lord, you've given us all purpose in life. There's a resource that we handle. Therefore, at our jobs, in our business, no matter what it is, where we go, what we do, we declare no trauma, no terror, no evil plans of wicked men or the devil himself. And we do push back against the flu, the cold, coronavirus, any other malady or infirmity that the devil tries to raise up, any other pandemic or epidemic. We say, no, the name of Jesus is greater. We resist it in his name. Father, we thank you for that spirit that is in us and upon us 
coming alive through us so that we might be a blessing to people. Wherever we go this week, let us speak words of life, words of light, words of restoration, words of blessing. Thank you for the fire of evangelism burning in our hearts. Lord, as we leave today, we walk in faith and love towards you. We love you so much. Father, we leave walking in love one toward another. Thank you for our church. We leave as the ambassadors of Christ you've called us to be. Thanking you, Lord, here at Island Church. We're covered by the blood, empowered by the word, and anointed by the Holy Thank you for listening to Island Church's podcast. To find out more information about Island Church in Galveston, Texas, visit our website at islandchurchgalveston.com. Hallelujah, Jesus.